If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to 1 Peter. And if you need a Bible, don't have a Bible, we have Bibles that are in the back. You can grab them off the table back there and keep that for your very own. Or if you know somebody who needs a Bible, you're always welcome to take those. We have both uh, Bibles in the ESV and also um, children's Bibles. A great opportunity for families to read the scriptures with their kids. And um, you can give that away to families who have kids, and it's a great opportunity for them to read the Word. But as we go this morning to 1 Peter, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us this morning. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful for the many ways <clears throat> which you have been a help to us. And we know that a significant portion of that has come through your giving of understanding and knowledge through your word. We know that that's not capable without your Holy Spirit. So we invite your Holy Spirit to come and teach us this morning, to guide us into all truth as you promised he would. We pray that we would land again at your feet, Jesus, that we would see you face to face, exactly who you are, and then also exactly who you made us to be, Lord. We pray that we would be a people built up to continually proclaim the excellencies of you and that you would be everything that we're about. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd guide my mind and my heart and my lips to only speak what you've ordained, that you might receive the praise and thanks to your name. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. We've been talking in First Peter about all the things that are precious to God. Now, if we took a survey this morning about what was precious to you, we would have stuff all over the map about what's precious to you. Some of you are super thrilled about the Super Bowl today. That's one of the most precious holidays in this country. And so many people might put that on their list. We asked others of you, you probably wouldn't give a flip about uh, the Super Bowl. And you might list something else, maybe your pet or your animal, maybe your job, maybe your spouse, whatever it is. Maybe not your spouse. I don't, you know, I don't know. Hopefully things are okay between you. But we all have a different idea of what's precious. But the most important thing is to understand what's precious to God. And so he's been telling us through First Peter, as Peter's writing to, to Christians who have been suffering and persecuted, what is precious to him. He talks about our faith that it's going through trials, and that's a precious faith. It would be helping us know that it's a true faith and that it's growing. Uh, We've seen how also what is precious is uh, the Word of God, that that it is something that is is awesome and that is given to us because it lasts forever. It's taking us into eternity, putting our eyes on Jesus. And so these are some of the things that have been precious um, to God. He talked also about the precious blood of Jesus. And, and we know and acknowledge that by the precious blood of Jesus, that's what brought us into faith. That's what's continued to, to take us to the word of God. And so today, again, as we go to what Jesus has done through the great mercy of God, we're going to come again and recognize something that's precious to God. Something that is very valuable that's to be put above everything else. You know, in our family, we, we try to make it a point every Friday night to have family night. And that family might, not, might consist of us going and getting something special to eat. Uh, maybe going to get some ice cream. Uh, maybe we sit down and just watch a movie together. Um, and, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll, we'll get classic, classic family night and we'll have family game night. And uh, one of the games that we like to play is this game. You've probably heard of it before. It's called Jenga. And Jenga, it's just a bunch of blocks that when you stack them together, you kind of interweave three this way, then three this way, and then three this way. And it it towers up until you have a tower of blocks. And what you do with Jenga is one at a time you go around and a person has to try to poke some of these blocks out of the middle and then put them on the top. And so pretty soon you have a a tower that's kind of tipping this way and tipping that way. And and you got to be real careful which ones you take. But almost never do people ever take the ones out of the very bottom. In order for that whole structure to stay standing, in order for there to to be the integrity of the structure, you pretty much keep the bottom ones there. And for certain, you keep the middle one there. 
um, or, or something that's going to keep us stable. And so even in looking at Jing and that thing, I, uh, I'm trying to bring our attention to the fact that when you build something, when you have something that's set and stable, what is at the foundation of that thing is essential that it remains its integrity, that it is um, strong and that it's set and that everything is built upon it. And that's where Peter's going to go today. There's a lot of different uh, illustrations that Peter will use today. But one of the main ones is that we are built upon Jesus Christ. If he's not there and that's not the precious thing that that's at the very beginning, everything else just tumbles in on us. And so let's go to first Peter chapter two. It says, first of all, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he talks, we just come off the word of God. And then he says, so don't use all your words in the way you act to harm other people. Continue on with the word of God like a baby that craves milk. And you've ever seen a baby immediately even out of the the womb. That baby is ready to eat. They want to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. There's one thing they crave in life. Eating. Well, and sleeping. Um, and, and so this newborn is going after the pure spirit, uh, the, the, the milk, and that's what we're supposed to do about the word of God. Don't go around looking to harm others with words, but stay on with the word of God. If we've tasted that the Lord is good, well, he goes on in verse four, then we don't stay babies. We're growing up. He, he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but... For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So it goes on and talks about Jesus and says that Jesus himself is this chosen and precious cornerstone that is how god views jesus that he was the chosen one that god chose him there was no other who could be chosen but he was chosen and he was precious not only then to spill his precious blood for us but that everything would be built upon jesus christ and that's why it goes on to quote from the old testament that jesus himself is the cornerstone and it's good and important that jesus would be that cornerstone because you can't set anything or anyone else as the cornerstone to our faith and not just our personal faith but this is talking collectively that we are being built collectively as a people into the house of god but jesus must be first now any of you who are into building you know way more than i do about building but one of the things that i watched the builders of our house do is they had marked out the territory they had surveyed they had they had lines and stakes that were saying this is where the house needs to go and when they we went and watched them when the guys who were building the foundation came to lay that first stone and man they set that one right on that corner and they had it all straight and they made it all and they had that one set and as they had that one set, then they went to the next and they went and then from there it just flew on. But that first one, man, they made sure it was just right, just level because everything was setting off of that. That cornerstone is important. You don't get that first one right. The whole rest of the structure is off. Jesus being the 
chosen and precious one ties into that as that cornerstone. You never want your cornerstone to be made out of something that's going to fail like uh, string cheese. You know, that's not going to work. Marshmallows. You don't want it made out of anything that's that even as a building material that yet wouldn't stand. You want something that's going to be firm and foundational, something that's going to be strong and rugged. And so you place that thing that's supposed to be there, that's going to be the foundation. And Jesus is that. In your faith, if it's built upon anything or anyone else, the rest of the structure is wrong. If we as a church would build our structure upon anyone or anything else, it will implode. How many churches have we seen where that strays away from Jesus and they end up building their foundation on something else. And then in the end, when that thing is taken away, poof, it's all gone. I remember in Seattle, there was a big church that had started there. It was a contemporary church. A lot of young youth were coming because they 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 would speak relevantly and, and, and they had a great band and they ended up getting a bigger building. And it was just a draw and everybody was coming there. And the guy who was preaching was a, a, a good speaker. People loved to listen to him talk. A lot of what was going on in the church was based upon the way he felt and what was going on. And so everybody wondered what would happen if this guy was taken away? Well, the guy ended up doing some things that got him into some trouble. And so what happened? The church, uh, the the, the pastor was taken away. And what do you think happened to the church? It collapsed in moments. That church went poof. Why? Because it was built on that man. And so in any of the ministries, in any of the churches that are built upon something other than Jesus Christ, whether it be a person, whether it be a false theology, whether it be um, just a feeling, sometimes it gets built upon, hey, that how, how many people are drawn to a, a church that has this great choir? Or, or, or maybe a, an amazing building. I've seen people go into build, uh, churches that have amazing buildings like this. This is incredible. It just gives me this great sense of God. And yet, when you hear them talk, all it is is about the building. The cathedral. But if it's not Jesus in the end, it's dead. In the end, it will crumble. And it may not be right now, but when Jesus Christ comes back, if it's not a part of the kingdom of God, it's going away. And so Jesus has to be the cornerstone. Or else it, when it was shaken, that building comes and crumbles. One other thing that's interesting about this, this chosen and precious cornerstone, did you see it? This is really odd. It says to him in verse 4 about him, as you come to him, a living stone. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a stone that's alive. I haven't. I made mention last week of lava that when it's coming out and it's glowing and it's moving, it has the look of being alive, but it's not alive in this world. We can look at a rock and it's a rock. You can see things maybe within it that at one time lived. You break them open, you find a fossil and that fish at one time lived, but no longer is alive. This is something that's miraculous. It's something that's not natural. This is supernatural. This is God who can only make a living stone, something that is solid, something you can build upon, but in the same moment is a living and alive. And that's important because it says that you being built then upon it. Did you see what it called you? This is incredible. It says this in verse five, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So not only is our foundation Jesus a living stone, and that's a miracle, that's amazing, but you who are being built on him, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are a stone who is being made solid but also alive. That's something that we can't do just in as humans. 
No spiritual guru can do it for you. No, no clever uh, snippet of a, of a motto on Facebook can, can help you with that. It's just Jesus. He's made you into a living stone. And that's important because things that are alive flourish. There's something about when God talks about his people and about what he's building with his kingdom and this everlasting thing that it continues to renew itself. Now, one thing I know about the, even the house that we built or the tree house that we built, we built it. But man, that stuff is breaking down. We, we already find places where we need to paint things that we need to repair. I mean, but it doesn't repair itself. It doesn't renew itself. It's about the business of going away. But this says as a living building built on a living cornerstone and you as living stones. That's intending to say that you're alive and you're being renewed. As in Romans chapter 12, verse verses one and two. In verse two, it says, therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's this ongoing process. It's just like your body that's alive. Your skin. Is new now, you medical people, you may have a better number, but if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you have new skin every 17 days. Is that am I not wrong? Am I wrong on that? That that in 17 days, all these cells of your skin will have been made new. And inside your cheeks and stuff, it's even faster. That your body is, in order to be new, cells are having, as some die away, some are being put back and being renewed. That's like a living stone. It's alive. And so here it says that we're being built in this spiritual house. It also says that we are to be a holy priesthood. And it said there that we are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. But here's the key point. Through Jesus Christ. See, nothing is done without him. Do you know that if you made a sacrifice to God and it wasn't in and through Jesus Christ, that God would not accept it? The reason is this, that as we as a priesthood, our priest before God, our high priest is Jesus. And the scripture makes clear that if we do not bring sacrifices to God that are in Jesus Christ, God will not accept them. They have to come through the high priest, Jesus. Well, what does that mean on a tangible level? That means if you come in here and you're just singing with all your might and it's not in and through Jesus that's not an acceptable sacrifice to God. If you go out and you're helping feed the hungry and give to the needy and you're doing all this ministry, but it's not in and through Jesus, it's not acceptable to God. This says that the sacrifice that you live and in Romans chapter 12, verse one, you are a living sacrifice. And as that's going on in your life, if it's not being done in and through Jesus, it's not an acceptable sacrifice to God. It has to be in and through Jesus. So as we read off our announcements and we have all these things that we put on the church calendar, if the, Jesus is not in that, guess what? God doesn't care. He really doesn't. This must be built on Jesus. Has to be built on Jesus. And as such, the people of Jesus are being built upon him into this house. But it says that Jesus, if people are not in him, they will stumble upon him. Jesus is the center. You either look at Jesus, you say, I'm with him. Or you look at him and you say, I'm not with him. That many will stumble over Jesus as this rock of offense. Verse nine goes on and says these amazing things about who you are in Christ. This this people, this community of God, it says this. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
So going backwards in that paragraph, what this says is at one time you had not received mercy, that you were a person who had come out of the womb. You were rebellious. You were wicked. You were an enemy of God. And as a result, you were going to suffer the wrath of God. And that was just you earned death for yourself. It's just how it was. And if you would have continued on in that, even if you had tried to be spiritual, even if you had tried to do things inside of church, if you would have continued on without God, you would not have been shown mercy. You would not have been accepted. But this said that God showed mercy to you. At one time, you had not been shown mercy. You were a non-believer. You were walking in wickedness. You were an enemy of God. But at some point, he, dis- he dispensed upon you his mercy. He said, I will spare you from my wrath. And he took that wrath off of you, what, what you deserve. He took everything that you deserve. He took it upon, off of you and he put it upon Jesus while he was on the cross, even though Jesus did not deserve it. Jesus was crushed under the wrath of God so that you would not be. And so at one time you did not know mercy, but now you know mercy. But then it goes on as a result of being shown mercy. You before you were not a part of God's people. But when you were showed mercy, you were also given an invitation into the people of God. You were baptized by the Holy Spirit, put into the body of Christ. And now you're part of a community, whether you like it or not. And I'm not just saying having a membership of unity. I'm talking about the worldwide church that has transcended not only space, but time. At one time, you were not a people, but now you are a people. And what is that people supposed to look like? Look at the beginning of that paragraph. It says this. You're a chosen race. You did not choose to be a part of that people. This race that he's talking about isn't a Jewish race. It's not a Gentile race. It's not a, an African race. It's not a Chinese race. It's not a white. It's, it, is, it is the spiritual people of God. You are a heavenly race. You are a son or a daughter of God in his household. That's who you are. And you were chosen. It wasn't something that you voted on. God chose you. And for some, it's hard to accept that because it's like, didn't I get to choose? Wasn't it wasn't it I who went to the altar? He chose you. He chose you. John chapter 15, he says to the disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That you would go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. Already, it's told us that this is the elect people. This has told us that this is from the foundations of the earth that he had chosen Christ to do this for us, that he has done this. So so this has been all God's plan. It was him going after you in Romans that quotes out of Jeremiah says no one seeks God. He sought you. And he chose you and brought you into this heavenly spiritual race. And it says this, that you're all also a royal priesthood. So you've been given the privilege royal that's kingly. That's being a part of the, 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 the dynasty. And then priestly, man, the priests were elevated into a place of great honor. And here's what comes with it. Being a part of a priest means you have a close encounter with God. And you know what? That's what satisfies the people of God. On Wednesday nights, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and several times when it talked about how one should pray or how one should fast or give to the needy or what it means to have uh, possessions and not to love possessions, but rather to be loving God and that he would be our master. It said there that that when God sees you pray in secret, 
he'll reward you. And when when you fast like you should, he rewards you. When you give like you should, he rewards you. And that he would would give you what is needed as far as possession, that when you seek first the kingdom of God. So the question came up, well, well, what are those rewards? If the father's going to reward, what does that mean? Do I am I going to get a big pile of gold someday? Does it mean somehow in this life that that that, that things are going to go um, all my way, that I'm that my team's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, what is my reward? And do you know what the reward was for the priests? The rewards for the priests were not land. All the other tribes in Israel, when they had an inheritance, when they got what was theirs, they were given land in the new land. But when he came to the priest, he said this. You don't get land. Well, that doesn't sound like a reward. He told the priest this. I will be your inheritance. I will be your portion. For some, it's like, oh, come on. I'm talking like a real reward. And God's like, I'm everything. That's the best reward you can have. If you're not satisfied with me, you're going to be satisfied with any other reward. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. And so he told the Levites, I am your inheritance. I am your portion. Everybody else wants land and everybody else wants what you get me. So that's the great thing. You get to encounter God and and the people who were close to God in the scripture, people that we admire, they would recognize that the greatest thing that they could ever have is God himself and being part of the priesthood. That's what you're promised. In fact, back in uh, the book of Psalm, chapter 73, listen to what David says. (coughs) Excuse me, this is uh, Asaph. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of the rock of my heart and my portion forever. My heart and my strength. My flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, even even as Asaph wrote that song, he was saying, you know what? A lot of me feels like it's crumbling away. But you know what is my strength? You know what is my cornerstone? God is my rock and he is my portion. He's everything that I want. I want to desire him. So as a priest, you have a great opportunity to draw close to that God. He said also there that you're a holy nation. You're set apart as a people of God. (coughs) And how about this? It says this, that you're also people for his own possession. That God's great inheritance is you. He has earned you. He's bought you. He's bringing you to himself. You know how good it feels to be wanted? You know that nowadays people are are addicted to Facebook, mostly because they want people to want them. We will post the pictures and we'll post the ideas and we'll post all these things about our life, just hoping that people will like those. Give us smiley faces on those because we feel like we're wanted, like somebody's approved of our life. And what happens when people don't approve them? What do you feel like? Unwanted. God wanted you for his own. You didn't need a Facebook feed. To have him to want you. Does he want all your sin? No, he wants to get rid of that. 
And he's growing you into the person he wants you to be. And he, he wants you for his own possession. He wants this people for his own possession. And that's a, a mighty great thought to think that the God who could have anything in this entire universe, what he's done is he's went and bought a people to have for his own possession because he wants you. And yet the world is longing to be wanted. The people of God have already been wanted by God. It's incredible. As a result, the things that well up in us of realizing how he showed us mercy, he's made us a people and that this people is a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are his own possession. What that should stir up in the people of God is just celebration. And in that celebration, there's just a look what God has done for us. He has built us on the precious living cornerstone of Jesus. And now we are being built up like this. And look at what he's done in us. As a result, what comes out of the house of God that he has built is this proclamation. It said there that the people of God may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So if he's called you out of darkness, called you out of that place of no mercy, called you out of that place of loneliness, and he's put you into this people that is built upon Jesus Christ. That is so magnificent that you would want to proclaim together as the people of God the excellencies of him who did that. Do you know what that word proclaim means? It means to tell out. It's actually based on the word for angelic. You're the angels, the ones who have been in the very presence of God in his throne room. They go from there and they give messages. They tell people, look how amazing he is. Look what he's done through Jesus. Let me express to you what he wants to do in your life. That's the job of of an angel is to be a messenger of who God is and what he has done. And he's just told us that we get to go with that same proclamation. Look who God is and look what he has done. We are going to tell the world through our praises and through our life that Jesus has been so good. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the most merciful of all people everywhere. And he has bought me. And he's taking us and building us into this house of God. And as he builds upon Jesus and his strength, he he holds your heart and he's holding it together. And you get to build your life on him. And as we are structured together as the people of God and brick by brick, living stone by living stone, you are. He told us at the beginning. As the word of God, as the spirit is now keeping you fast on Jesus, be careful. Be careful how you talk. That's how he started. Don't be full of malice. Don't be full of envy. Don't be full of 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 hypocrisy. Don't be full of slander. Don't be full of these things towards one another. Because have you ever seen a building and what happens when when the vines of ivy get attached to it? When that, those vines get into the mortar, it just begins to etch away the things that are holding that house together. And that's what sin and hurt among us does. Here we're building on Christ that when we look to the people around us and we begin to speak harm towards them and us and there. But instead, we're to be proclaiming the excellencies of him who has done so much for us. And so today, as we close, what, we, what we're going to do is we're gonna, just going to take the opportunity to, again, set our sights on what's precious. The King of kings and the Lord of lords who has bought us and made us into this people, a priestly royal people. And it's so good. And the best way to keep from keep all the, the chitter chatter with one another and just tearing each other down is to continue to build Jesus up. And as that we focus on that living stone, that's the cornerstone, then we recognize 
We're to be living stones too. I'm not going to do these other things that the world might do. I'm not going to do these things that maybe my flesh feels like doing. I'm going to continue to speak about Jesus and build one another up in the strength of his word. So today we're going to close with a, with a great song of just lifting up Jesus, again, recognizing who he is. And I'm going to ask uh, Miss Sue and Danny's going to come up and help too. And we're going to sing uh, a song about lifting Jesus up as the King of Kings. So would you stand today? And, and, and as this goes on, I want this to be an anthem that we take out and, and we get to go and proclaim this almost angelic proclamation about who Jesus is and what he's done, that we get to go proclaim him as the precious cornerstone. This is uh, song number 207. All hail the power of Jesus name. Miss Sue had played this just as a prelude just before our Sunday school hour opened. And I was just struck of we need to sing this out and let's start our proclamation of Jesus with this song. And as we pray and we go out, uh, we're going to be talking more about Jesus than we are. Who wins the Super Bowl? Because he's so much greater than that. Let's sing together. Number 207.